Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. We've been doing a series on this last weeks and continuing this month of Stand and Reach. And I'm not sure what kind of picture you get when you hear those words, stand and reach, but uh, this whole year we've been talking about united we stand. In other words, standing together as one. Uh, We've had all these themes happening. And stand and reach is two ways I see it is that Jesus reaches out to us. God reached out to you. And But we are also called to reach out to others. And there's also others that are reaching out for help and reaching out. And there's people in our city people that you know, people in your street, maybe your next door neighbor who is needing help or maybe reaching out for help. Maybe you don't even realize they are, but there's people all around us that are reaching out for help or want help, but they just don't know how to always get it or how to find it or where to look for it or who can actually help me. And and uh, so I want to talk to you about the theme of sand and reach and get a little bit more specific with that as well. And just start off with this scripture in Luke 10, 25 to 37. It says, One day an expert in religious law uh, who was a Jew stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So this guy was basically a lawyer. In our modern day, if you want to know, he was an expert in the law. Okay, and uh, so he was. A, he was a Christian. He was a Jew. He understood God and and, and believed in God and and the, and the Old Testament, all that stuff. But he was ultimately a lawyer, an expert in the law. And he asked his question: What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied: What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered: You must love your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. And then the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? And so the title of my message today is, Who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And we'll talk about that at the end of the message. I was this week. I took my our dog Millie for a walk, and uh, around our neighbourhood. And uh, there was a new there's a new estate being built uh, where we're living. And uh, there's no one living there yet. They're building houses, and there's blocks of land for sale are being sold. But they put in infrastructure and paths and things so you can start walking on these paths. And and about four about five weeks ago, they planted a row of um, trees along this path. They're about a meter high probably when they planted them. Really nice trees, and they look really good. There's a whole lot of them there. There was 30 of them, actually, because I've counted them and, uh, as I was walking past. And, um, and there's 30 trees, and I thought, they're, they're going to grow big, and they, they weren't cheap trees, and they were kind of, I thought, they're going to look awesome when they grow. They're, so they're a nice place to walk along. Anyway, so, and we were away for a little bit on holidays, and we came back, and this week I took Millie for a walk, and I walked up this path around the corner, and I looked, and all these trees had been destroyed. They'd just been kicked, broken, snapped off at the base, hit with sticks, and then they'd grab spikes that were the, the sticks that were holding up the stakes, holding up trees. They grabbed them and speared them through signs of uh, of all the houses, you know, the, the stuff that was for sale and all this kind of stuff. And obviously, were kids or um, young teens. And I was like, I was mad. They weren't even my trees. I thought, you've destroyed my trees. I was going to enjoy looking at those trees. And now you just snapped off my trees. And they're not even my trees. And uh, I thought, how, I thought, 
geez, the developer's going to be ticked off and these people are going to be, because lots of other people walk through there. And I thought, it's just, there was no reason to destroy the trees. There was no reasons for that damage. But then I thought that, you know, we are living in a time of willful destruction. And uh, we don't need to look beyond, we can say, a nation of the world. We just, just look at Harvey Bay for a minute, okay? We only have to stick with Harvey Bay. There's, there's willful destruction. Our crime rate in Harvey Bay is skyrocketing, whether you know that or not. I've talked to a few policemen recently, and, and, uh, and they're, like, stretched. And with our population growth, there's thousands of people who have moved here. And with it, there's been some unruly characters or stuff going on or whatever and of all different ages and stuff and things happening and you hear sirens all the time and all that kind of stuff and it made me think we you know why would why would you just want to come and destroy and I was like a bit agitated I thought oh if I if I meet these kids I felt like grabbing them by the neck and shaking them and like yeah Aaron's coming with me and so and uh and then I'm and I'm walking along and 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 really didn't care she's just oh the trees yep no worries and just kept walking and the dog but then and then I'm walking along and I feel the Holy Spirit say this to me the outward destruction you see is just a reflection of the inward pain that they feel and so then he brought it back to come on his reality so the, the, what we see, the destruction, the crime, is the end result of a whole lot of other stuff that's already happened in their lives. And so Jesus, he doesn't focus on our end result. He doesn't, he doesn't focus on your sin. He wants to, he'll forgive you of your sin, he'll forgive you all that stuff. But what he wants to do is get you back to where the point in your life, where it all comes from, where the destruction comes from, where the pain comes from. What we see in people's lives is a result of pain, of brokenness, broken families. If you met some of these kids, they're probably nice kids. They're probably, they're probably bored, whatever excuse, you know, you have. There's no excuse for doing what they did. But there's a whole lot of, I bet you there's a whole lot of brokenness in their family. What are they, you know, obviously they've done it at night. You see them doing it in daytime. What, they're out at night by themselves. They're, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so this stuff's happening all the time. And so we're, we're living in a, in a world of brokenness. And God wants us to do something about it. He wants us to do something about it. We're here to do something about these things. And so have you ever asked yourself this question? You know, because if, if we, you know, if we are truly saying, you know, we follow Jesus, you know, we can always come up with plenty of excuses of why not to help someone, right? We can have excuses of why I won't want to reach out to someone. But if we truly love people the way Jesus did, if we truly have compassion like Jesus did, then there aren't many excuses left not to help someone. There isn't. You can try, but if you truly want to live like Jesus did, then you haven't got many excuses of why I can't do it. So here's a question. Have you ever asked yourself if you have conditions for loving people? In other words, it could be, I'll help someone if. That's a condition. If there's an if, when you go to help someone, then you put conditions on loving people. It's not unconditional love like God has shown you. You've got conditional. I'll help someone if, oh, maybe if they help me in the future. I'll help someone if I can afford it. I'll help someone if I have the time. I help someone if I, if they, if, if they're like someone I kind of know. 
And so we can have all these conditions, and we've probably all done it at times, and there's times when you've got very good reasons when you are busy and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus often stopped in the middle of doing extremely important things like walking to heal a girl that was about to die. He stopped to help someone else, and the girl died. That's important. That could get on social media these days. He didn't go. He should have went. Lazarus has been dead. He was dying. You should come, Jesus. He waited another four days and he showed up and he's already dead. All these kind of things. And so Jesus stopped to do other things to help other people. And so we could say, you know, we, he, but he, you know, he didn't have conditions on it. I'll, I'll, I know I can't help you now because this is really important. There's someone I need to go and pray for. He actually stopped and healed someone else. But then he went off and raised them to life anyway. And so we need to, you need to ask yourself the question, do I have conditions on loving people? And our land, our land, our nation needs healing and restoration. Our people need healing and restoration. I was reading this week in Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, 12 to 15, I'll read that in a moment. It's, about, it's, a, it's talking about when they dedicated the temple and all the things they did, and they celebrated for two weeks straight. And it says that Solomon alone sacrificed 22,000 bulls personally and 120,000 sheep and goats. That's a lot of blood. It's a lot of animals. That's just him. And no wonder it took two weeks. They were probably going 24-7 trying to do all these sacrifices. All the other people brought things. And they celebrated and sacrificed. And if you read it, it says the glory of the Lord filled the temple to the point where they couldn't even sing or move. And so at the end of that, in chapter 12, it says what, after all this celebration and God was pleased, he says, then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and then chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. And then he says this, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Now, the reason God says that, because remember, he's talking to a group of people that know him. He's not talking to a group of people that don't know him. He's talking to a group of people, and he says that because he's, he's referring to people when they turn their backs on God and walk into wickedness, ignore God's ways, which they already know and they should be living in. When they turn, to work, turn their back on God and do their own thing, it's like they walk away from God's blessing. And he said, so that's what he's referring to. And he said, when, if your people turn away from me and do their own thing and walk into wickedness and do all these other things that I've said not to do, he said, there's going to be, you'll end up consequences. My blessing, my hand of blessing will take it away. And, and at times and the rain will stop falling and, and crops will get devoured and there'll be sickness and disease among you. But then he says this, and this is all the scripture we always read all the time without the whole thing in context. Then he says, but then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. In other words, they're turning back to him. Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and restore their land. You know, when, they, when land is restored, that, that it affects not just people that know God, but affects everyone, whether they know him or not. The blessing flows because of the way... God's people respond to God. And he says, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. 
Three things I want to point out here, well, six actually, but three things he asks us to do. He says to humble yourself, to pray and seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. And the results of those are these. If you humble yourself, he will hear from heaven. If you pray and seek his face, he'll forgive your sin. And if you turn from your wicked ways, he will restore the land. So... Here's the thing about that, is that it's one thing to come to God and say, please forgive me, and pray. And he does. He forgives you of his sin. But then he says, I need you to turn from your wicked ways. In other words, you need to do a lifestyle change. It's not just about coming once and saying, oh, forgive me, then just go off and do whatever you want again. Oh, sorry, forgive me, go and do it again. Forgive me. He'll keep forgiving you, but you won't get restoration in the land. He'll forgive you, but it's when we turn from our wicked ways and we turn to God. It's like personal revival. It's like coming to God. Then when we turn and our lifestyle changes and the people of God's lifestyle changes, God's blessing restores the land. Healing takes place in the natural and the physical. Miracles break out. All this stuff happens, but he's saying, you need to, first thing you need to do is humble yourself. Pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Often we focus on the prayer. All of that is important. Often we focus on the prayer and seeking God's face. But the first thing he says to do is to humble yourself. Some people find it very hard to be humble. There's a song about that. Lord, I... It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. When I look at myself in the mirror, I get better looking each day. <laughs> to know me is to love me. I must be one hell of a guy. Lord, it's hard to be humble. Or no, whatever the last line is, but I'm doing the best I can or something. Or other. But anyway, some of you will know that song. I have no idea where that comes from. I don't even know why I know it. Um, but <laughs> it just popped in there. But humble means this. The best way to describe humble is to know what it isn't. Humble, to humble yourself is not being proud or arrogant. It's having or showing a moderate estimate of your merits. In other words, you don't boast about yourself. You don't say how important you are, listing all your accomplishments. It's being free from vanity, egotism, and boastfulness. And so... The first thing he says is this whole thing about if you want to come back to me, you want your land restored and people restored and people healed and all this kind of stuff. He said the first thing you need to do is to humble yourself. That's not a position of weakness. That's in a position of knowing that God is in authority. You're putting him above everything else. And you're humbling yourself under God and then God is the one that lifts you up and puts you in places of, of authority and influence and things like that. It's God that does it. You don't need to do it yourself. I see all these people that try and do it themselves and eventually it just falls apart and doesn't work because God ends up not being in it. God is the one that lifts us up. He must be the one that we come under and humble ourselves under God. And Jesus was very humble. And often he put himself into the world of someone without him. And so, and we need to put ourselves in the world, in the world of someone around you that doesn't know Jesus. For a moment, 
just we, it's easy to live life and everything's happening, but for a moment, maybe there's someone you know that doesn't know Jesus and they're going through some stuff or you know they're struggling and or you see they're living their life. For a moment, you need to stop and put yourself in their world. What would it feel like if I'm in that situation? What does it feel like if I don't have Jesus? What if I didn't have Jesus in my life? What if I didn't, couldn't, didn't come to church on Sunday? What if I didn't have these relationships with people? What if I didn't come and I'm listening to these messages about God and getting uplifted and, and I'm here for worship and I've got connections through the week? And, and, and what would it, if all that was removed, what would life be like? Because that's how they're living. That's how it is for them. That's why there's willful destruction. That's why there's brokenness. That's why you're hearing ambulances and police sirens and turning up to houses and domestic violence and because they just don't have him. They don't know how to get a hold of Jesus. They don't even know about him. They might have heard the name, but they don't really have encountered him. But we are Jesus to them. You are Jesus to them. And he's calling us to reach out to them. It's not, you're not, oh, but there's so many people. You only need to do, reach out to one. Just find one. The disciples just reached one at a time. And everything changed one at a time. And so this is what Jesus did. He put himself in the place of someone else. And there's a story in Mark 6, 30 to 34, and it says the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry too. He sent them away and they, and they saw incredible things happen and they told him about all the things they'd done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and the apostles didn't even have time to eat. They'd been praying for people, talking to people all day long, and they were tired. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd, thousands of people, as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because this is him putting himself in their world because they were sheep like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they were lost. So he began teaching them many things. He was tired, hadn't eaten all day. They were all tired. They were all hungry. And then all these people were so desperate for help. They were so desperate to meet Jesus. They had so much need. They ran around the lake and got there. So when Jesus stepped out of the boat, he saw this massive crowd. And the Bible simply says he had compassion on them. And he saw they were sheep without a shepherd. They need someone to lead them. And he began to speak to them. We need to put ourselves in that position. We need to see people like Jesus did. Jesus reached into situations by going to someone in need. Other times Jesus also reached out to people. So sometimes people would come to him and he would reach into that, stop what he's doing and reach into their situation. And other times he would go out and reach people. Often just one person, he did it many times. He went and traveled a whole lot of distance for one person many times in the Bible. Other times it was crowds. And people also reached out with faith and were healed. And so I want to talk about this for a moment, about reaching. And there's some stories in the Bible that, uh, that just talk about this. And I'm going to mention a couple, but I want to show you a scene. 
a video out of uh, the Chosen series. And uh, some of you, if you've, we've done the first two series, the third one's just been filmed. But you may remember in our Connect groups, if you, uh, you have this scene when we watch it, and it's about Jesus healing a man with leprosy that comes to him. And it's word for word in the uh, a Bible about this conversation they have. And so we're just going to watch this on the screen. Just have a look at this. Spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you, you cannot. It's disease. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. 
In those days, leprosy, if you had leprosy, you, the custom was you had to call out when you were coming near people saying, unclean, unclean, because there were people so scared of getting it. It was very contagious. That's why all the disciples were freaking out. Don't go near Jesus, you'll get leprosy. Don't breathe in the air, you'll get leprosy. And, and, uh, and so they were scared of the disease, but the disease was scared of Jesus. And so Jesus knew who he was. He, had, he just said, that leprosy has no power over what's inside of me. And so he brought life in that situation. And so it's just that's one example of Jesus just reached out and touched him and he was healed. Other, other examples is when Jesus went across a boat through a storm. Most scholars believe it was a demonic storm. They nearly all, all the disciples were scared. Jesus was sleeping in the boat. He calmed the storm. They got to the other side. And they got to a place, and there's a guy there called Legion who was living in a cemetery with over 2,000 demons possessing him, and, and he would cut himself and broken chains, and, and people were scared of him. And, and Jesus made that whole journey across the lake and went all that way for that one man, and he laid hands on him and set him free. He didn't actually lay hands on him. He just spoke a word, and he was free. And the demons were cast down to a herd of pigs that jumped over a cliff. And, and you've probably heard that story before. If you haven't, it's a great story. And he completely sets a man free in a moment. And the people, when they came and saw him, they were so scared because he was so different for what they recognized that they were scared because he was actually in his right mind. Because Jesus set him free in a moment. Because everyone for so many years had just been scared of him because they thought he was never going to be changed. Jesus also went to another one who was a Samaritan woman at a well. It's interesting that he picked uh, a woman and she was a Samaritan. They went into Samaria. The disciples didn't want to travel that way. He said, yes, we're going that way. And he went to a well and it was this conversation he has with a woman who's there by herself getting water. And he, and he has a word of knowledge over her, head, over her that you've had five husbands and your life has been a mess. And, and then they have this whole conversation about she has this revelation that he is the Messiah. He's the one. How can he know all this stuff? And and she runs back to her village and tells people and all these people come out and they meet Jesus and Jesus goes in there for a couple of days and the Bible doesn't tell us everything that happened but they would have had revival in that place in a Samaritan village that Jewish people would never even walk into. And so then he went for the one but it resulted in hundreds being saved and hundreds being healed. Then we think of also the woman that had uh, a bleed, condition of bleeding that, that the Bible says that he, Jesus walked into the town and there was a Jarius, a man's daughter, was dying. And this was our reference to this earlier. And he was dying and he said, will you come and pray for her? And then on the way, he had crowds pressing around him. It says there's a woman there who had this issue of bleeding hemorrhoids and, and bleeding all her life. She said spent all the money she earned was spent on doctors and there was no cure found. And there was, they tried everything and she was still had this condition. And she has this thought that if I can just touch the tassel of his garment, which was a prayer shawl that he, they would pray with. And he said, if I can just touch one of those tassel, tassels, she said, then I believe I'll be healed. And so she reaches, he crawls, reaches through the crowd, and, he t and she touches the tassel of his garment, and instantly the Bible says she is healed. 
instantly healed. And then Jesus asks the question and says, who touched me? And because there's all, but and the disciples are like, what do you mean? There's people bumping into you, pressing into you. There's hundreds of people here. And he said, no, someone touched me with faith and I felt power go from me. And someone's been healed. Who touched me? And he stops. And this woman said, it was me. And they had this conversation and she's healed. And he simply says, your faith has made you whole. She reached out and touched Jesus. Other times Jesus reached out. And then another story which I love in the book of John about the prodigal son. Where the second oldest son comes to his dad and says, I want, I want my inheritance and I want it now. And so he says, okay. And he lets him have it. And he goes off and spends all his money on parties and all this kind of stuff. Gets himself in a whole lot of trouble. Ends up in a pig pen and is sitting there wanting to eat the pig food in this smelly place. And says, if, and thought, has his thought. He says, even my servants of my dad eat better than this. Even they're looked after way better than this. What am I doing here? And he said, I'll just go home and I'll just be one of the servants for my dad. And he, and he starts walking home. And the Bible says from a long way off, his dad saw him coming and was on, a, was on a hill or a rise or whatever and saw his son coming and ran to him. And the picture, I believe, that this is, it wasn't just a one-off, oh, I'll happen to go out today. Look, every day his son was away. His dad probably went out looking. And he ran to him and put his arms around him, smelly, in a mess, all that kind of stuff. And he loved him and hugged him. And that is a picture of God for us, for our generation, for those that are broken, for lost, those that are full of destruction. And, and of all this, the people, that's a, that's a picture of how much God loves you and loves me. No matter how far away you are, how lost you are, his arms are open for you to come home. And I want to finish with this story we picked up at the start in Luke 10, 25 to 37. One day an expert in religious law, a Jew stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Worship team, if you want to come on up. Who is my neighbor? So then Jesus replied, it says, with a story. A Jewish man, it's interesting how Jesus picks who he picks in this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, who would have been Jewish, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, who was also a Jew, and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, notice the words Jesus used, a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn 
who took care of him. The next day he landed the innkeeper, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill uh, runs higher, uh, than higher than this, I'll pay you the next time when I'm here. And then he asks this question back to the religious scholar, the, the lawyer. He says, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, The one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus simply says, Yes, now go and do the same. And so Jesus picked those characters very deliberately. Because if you look up, if you go and search about Jews and Samaritans and the history and everything about them, the mo- most documents will say that Jews hated Samaritans. Jews hated Samaritans. So much so that they would go around their whole, the whole country of Samaria and not to even step foot in their land to avoid them. It's like you want to go to Victoria, but you don't like New South Wales. So you go out Northern Territory, South Australia, back into Victoria. It's a long walk. It's quicker down the coast. You can drive if you want. It's still a lot, a lot further. But that's exactly what they did. They bypassed the place they didn't like, especially at State of Origin time. I'm joking. So... So Jesus is speaking to this Jewish man who would have done exactly that. He, his attitude to this lawyer would, I, I'd never go to Samaria. I'm never going to talk to a Samaritan. Don't want anything to do with it. I, I dislike them. They've got it all wrong, blah, blah, blah. And he would have been exactly like that. So Jesus deliberately puts a Jewish man on the road and then Two Jewish people just walk past, but the Samaritan's the one that stops. And he paints that picture. And then he gets him to ask, he said, you know, so who was the who was the neighbor? And he said, the one that he didn't say the Samaritan, he said the one that showed mercy. So Jesus deliberately paints this picture. And he did it to highlight God's standard for who is your neighbor. God's standard is the person you dislike the most, the person you want nothing to do with, the person you don't even know, but they're in need. That's a neighbor. And then this is the point he makes. This is why this gets a little bit more serious because the original question was, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That's what this whole thing's about. And so this is the point. If you can't show mercy and compassion to a person in need, a person that you don't even know, a person that you dislike or doesn't fit into your world, then you don't qualify to have internal life, inherit internal life. That's, that's, that's if you want to, I can't read it any other way. If you can come up with another solution to that that feels better. But that's what he's saying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And we do it and we say, yes, yes, yes. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? The person you want nothing to do with. The person that's in need. The person that looks, oh, they look a bit shady. 
a person, oh, they, they've said a few things to me, I don't, I don't like them, or that group of people, they, oh, I'm not sure if I want to hang out with them. So all those people, and that can be legitimate th- excuse things that people you know really well that have done things, and, and there's situations where you know someone well. But this is, that whole story is someone, he didn't know who, he didn't say they knew each other. The guy was just injured. He was a different people group. He was a different person, a person they wouldn't usually hang out with. They didn't know each other, but there was a person in need. And the Bible said he had compassion on that person. And so Jesus is saying, I want you. If you're going to follow me and inherit eternal life, then your attitude is if I see someone in need, you do what you can to help that person. You do what you can to help that person. No matter what people have said about them, no matter what your opinion is, what other people's opinion is, whatever, you do, you stop and you do what you can to find them help because that's exactly what Jesus would do. It's exactly what Jesus would do. I was thinking how to finish uh, this message today and what I'm going to do, I'm not going to get you to stand. I'm going to get you to sit for a moment and I just want the team to sing quietly whichever song, that chorus you were going to sing. And this is what I want you to do. As we sing this, I want you to close your eyes. And then during, as they sing it, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to come and kneel at this altar, you can come and kneel. If you want to come and stand at the altar, you can come and stand. We're just going to sing this song through the chorus for a moment. The team's going to play and I'm going to pray. But you can stand at any time, do whatever you at any time. And maybe here's two things. Maybe you need to humble yourself. Maybe said, I haven't really humbled myself. There's a, some things in my life where I've tried to overlook people, overlook situations. I haven't seen, haven't put myself in other people's worlds. I haven't put myself in the world like Jesus did and saw people like Jesus did. Maybe that's you. Maybe there's some people in your life right now that you know are in need and you just want to simply start praying for them. Or maybe they're on your heart and God wants you to do something about it. Maybe you have the means to do something about it or no one's someone who can. Who in your world needs Jesus? Who in your world is in need? But maybe isn't in your people group. Maybe isn't the most popular person. Maybe has been overlooked and walked past by many others. But God's put them on your heart to do something about it. Maybe you just simply want to pray for our city, for the broken, the hurting, the destructive, families that are broken, all these things. We see issues and problems, but we're here to do something about it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. That's what we want, but we need to do the way God wants us to do it. So I want you to close your eyes as we just sing this.
do it, who else will? If we don't do it, who else will? We are Jesus. We are Jesus to the people around you. You represent Him. You may be the only Jesus that people see. What a privilege to introduce someone to Him. be here today and you don't know Jesus maybe 
you've known him when you were younger or went to Sunday school. Maybe you went to church a bit. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've been coming for a little while, but you don't really know him. You haven't got a personal relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to leave this place today without just asking everyone here that question. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to give your life to him, surrender your life to him, maybe you've, it's like we read that scripture about if, if I pray and seek his face, he'll forgive my sin, he'll forgive our sin, he'll do that right now. And maybe you need to do that right now and ask Jesus to come, would you forgive me, Lord, for living my way, for living the wrong way, for all this stuff that I know wasn't right. And he says, if you come to me, I'll forgive you of your sin. If you confess your sin, the Bible says he's faithful and he's just. In other words, he'll do the right thing. He'll forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He makes you brand new. If you're here today, just where you're seated, seated, and you're saying, I need Jesus, I need him. I want to surrender my life to him today. I just want you to raise your hand where you're seated right there, just while people are sitting in their seat. If you've never done that, or maybe you've done a long time ago and you need to come back to him. Is anyone in this place? Give us a wave if I haven't seen your hand. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, I pray right now that we would be people that would stand and reach. Let's all stand together as we end today. As we stand and we reach. And as we finish this, I want you to reach out your hand in front of you without punching the person in front of you, if you do that. But reach it like you're reaching out to someone in need. And I want you to say, God, show me a person that you want me to reach out to this week. I want you to reach out your hand. I want you to picture that person that God gives you. Because I believe that could be just with prayer, that could be something they need, it could be whatever. But God, I believe, will just give you someone. Picture someone that is in need. And to answer that, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray that as we reach out, as we reach out, Lord God, to broken and hurting and lost people, as we reach out to people in our, our neighbours, our, our, in our streets, Lord God, our neighbourhoods, at our workplaces, at school, wherever that may be, I pray right now, Lord God, that, Lord, we would be people that would stand and reach. We wouldn't be idle. We wouldn't walk past. We wouldn't see the need but keep walking and say, I'm too busy. Or we wouldn't have um, consequences or the, the have our agendas our own agendas or we wouldn't have um, we would have conditions on our love but we'd have unconditional love where we would actually stop so I pray Father God right now as people have physically reached out and you are showing people faces you are showing people needs I pray right now that you would uh, give us the ability and give us what we need to equip people Lord God to reach that person the resources if that are needed Lord to help that person whatever it may be Lord I pray that right now we would be people that would stand and reach that we would love we would know who our neighbor is 
that we wouldn't be idle, we wouldn't be in neutral, but we would be in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth gear, that, Lord God, we would be moving forward and reaching and seeing lives transformed and changed in our city, Lord God. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.